Hey, I want to say good morning to Daystar Church up in Hartsoul and Madison, our online campus. A lot of you guys worshiping from different parts of the world. We'd love for you to comment. Tell us where you're worshiping from. Put your prayer request in there so we can pray for you. Hey, everybody, clap your hands and welcome everybody online, wherever you guys are. Thank you for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you here in the building with us when you can get here. Hey, I'm going to get into a, a message about freedom. But before I do that, I want to announce something to you. I have to say hello to BJ and Janice. I didn't know y'all were going to be here. Uh, you may not know my friends BJ and Janice. They used to be my neighbors. Welcome my neighbors back to town. Come on. Give them a big God bless you back into town. They retired, went away, and decided that, you know what, we can't do without Jerry. Maybe there were other things, but they came back and we're proud that they're back. I'm going to jump right into this freedom, uh, but, but first I want to talk about um, a really cool announcement. Um, our church, as you know, um, we're in a move journey. It's a, it's a, it's a three-year journey. We're about 14 months in it. Let me see if you can fill in the blanks for me. We are taking our church from a moment to a movement. I like it. You're right there. And uh, we're, we've set a goal. We're changing every one of our campuses. You know, our Good Hope campus is being remodeled. Hartsell getting a whole new worship uh, center. Madison's getting a whole new facility, everything. We've bought property up there. Stuff is happening. Not as fast as I want to uh, because of coronavirus slowing down contractors and, and government officials and stuff like that, but it's happening. But I want to celebrate your generosity. You, you guys are continuing to give. We've set a three-year goal to raise outside of our normal budget to raise $5 million in three years. And we're 14 months into it. We've already topped well over $2 million. Can we thank God for that amazing start? That's wonderful. A big part of this, even though you physically may not see it, a big part of this is our Daystar Church in Uganda. Now that has expanded so greatly. Pastor Nassan and I started that church there, Daystar Cathedral, about 11 years ago. It now has become eight campuses of Daystar Church in Uganda. And before uh, I met him, he had started two other churches. He's brought those in. So now our church has 10 campuses. We have 10 campuses in Uganda, and that's super exciting. We, we kind of cleared a milestone this week that I want to celebrate with the church. That is Pastor Nassan became the newest citizen of the United States this week. We've been working on it for a long time. That was so exciting. Kudos to our missions team that's helped make that happen. And let me tell you, everything that has been done has been through your generosity. You guys giving uh, to people. We have two orphanages that, that are our orphanage we own, and, and we have the full responsibility over those. Your generosity has made us be able to uh, educate those children and feed those children. And so I, I just wanted to every now and then mention to you that when you're a part of this church through worship or serving or giving, you're a part of something that's bigger than what you see. It's bigger than, than any one of us. And that's really what God's kingdom ought to look like. You know, lots of people blessing people around the world. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. Now, let me jump into this series um, called Freedom. The reason I'm teaching on freedom is because the, the, the default condition, the default condition of a child of God is freedom. God, don't want, God doesn't want you encumbered by any uh, of the residue of our world. We live in a world that is covered up with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and, and, and worry and fear. And, and that's, if you're not completely living in it, you're certainly being affected by it every day. 
That's the world we live in. That's the water we swim in. And, 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 and God's plan is for us to break free. Everybody say break free. From all the effects that that world brings against us. Now, here's what Jesus said in John 8 and 32. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, as I said, freedom in Christ is the goal of our life. But the default position of the human race is not freedom, it's bondage. It's being held in control, not freedom at all. It's some kind of bondage, fear about the future or, you know, uh, guilt about the past or, or some addiction that's in our life or, or, or some, something like bitterness or worry. And that's the default condition of, of our world. Most people living and breathing and walking around in our world today are living with those kind of things in their life. Now, we haven't been able to have what we call freedom groups in a long time uh, because of COVID-19. And we're eager about starting those back up uh, next month. And that's really exciting. Uh, Let me just by a show of hands, I'd like to know at every campus, how many of you have been through all of the freedom curriculum before in a freedom group and gone to the freedom conference? Raise your hand if you have. That's a lot of you, but I'm excited that probably over half of us have not. That is some of the most powerful teaching. And and some of what I'm teaching today comes directly from that. I'm, I'm excited about two big things coming up. The new small group uh, season is going to be powerful with freedom groups and marriage groups and just all kinds of different groups. But I'm also excited that we've been praying. We've focused our prayers on you. Rather than me asking you to lead a small group, I'm asking you to ask God what his will is for you in this season. So I don't want you to say to yourself, I, I, I couldn't lead. That's not my thing. I, I, you know, I'm not that kind of a, I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of leader in church, you know, and I don't have time for that. Don't say any of that stuff. And at the same time, don't say, well, the preacher really wants me to, so I'm going to do it. Put yourself in the middle of those two places and say, God, what do you want out of my life? Because it might be that God catapults you to a place you never saw yourself being in. You never saw you being this kind of leader. I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I'm a, a pastor, and 25 years into this gig, I can still remember thinking, that's not what I'm going to do. There's no way. I'm going to be that good Christian guy who is behind the scenes, and I'm going to be generous because I'm going to be a multimillionaire, of course. That's what I thought as a teenager. I'm make tons of money, and I, I had a good plan with it. And God will sometimes just push you to a different place than you think. I just want you to make yourself available in this season. You just ask. God, what does this season of my life look like as it relates to small group? And if that's a deal, everybody say deal. All right, let's talk about getting you free from, uh, last week we talked about getting free from, from fear. Today, let's talk about freedom to forgive. You know, you know this is one of those, th- those things that is a stronghold and it's one of the most damaging strongholds. It's one of the most common strongholds the enemy uses and one of the most confusing strongholds. Because we don't understand forgiveness. We don't know how it's done. We immediately get into this knee-jerk thing of, I don't know why you're talking about that, but that's not, you don't understand where I've been. Uh, and actually, I'm going to talk about this for two weeks, all right? I don't want you to miss next week. I, I haven't really written that message yet because when I write two messages, I end up preaching them both at the same time. But I want to get into how to forgive your family, how to forgive yourself, and how to forgive God. Okay, have you ever thought about that? That's what I hope to get into next week. Today, I want to just give you an overview of what freedom really is through forgiving others. Okay, we live in a world there's a lot of hurts. A lot of people say things they shouldn't say. They do things that are wrong and and we process them internally and they hurt us and they wound us. And those wounds become bitterness through unforgiveness. 
And in the freedom booklet, it says this, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's a good illustration of unforgiveness. You hurt my feelings and I'm never going to forget it. Look at this poison. Watch me die. That'll show you. That, that, that's not... That's not a thing. That's not going to help you in any way. But that's really how irrational it is to hold on to and harbor anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. In fact, the Bible talks about that being an offense. Something happened to you, you hold on to it, and you can't let it go. It becomes an offense in your life. Everybody say offense. Now, the Greek word for offense, because the New Testament was written in Greek, that word is scandalon. It's where we get our English word scandal. And it literally means, the, 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 where, it, where it comes from, it literally means a piece of meat that's used to bait a trap for an animal. That's what scandalon is, a piece of meat used to bait a trap. And the idea that God is car- using, uh, it carries with it, is that the offense that happened in your life is not the end, the end thing. Somebody lied to you. Someone was unfaithful to you. Somebody did you wrong in some way. That seems like a big enough deal. No, that's just the bait to get you to grab onto that thing and hold onto it so tightly that it hooks you into a trap that pulls you into a downward spiral. Let me tell you, I have known people because I'm a pastor and I'm into people's personal lives. That's what I do. I've known people who have let one offense grip them as a bait and, and trap them for decades into their future. And some of them to the end of their life, they still can't let it go and it won't let them go. So God says, I want you to be free. Everybody shout free. free. So when someone hurts you, that's not the end goal. I mean, let me tell you this. I, the reason I'm teaching on this is 2020 was just a fertile ground for offense. I mean, it was just a weird year and it's continuing on. As you know, there was, of course, the COVID-19 stuff and there was all that lockdown and that isolation that happened and, and then the, the, the political back and forth and all that stuff is from hell. I mean, you can see sickness is from hell and we know that division is from hell and all that stuff is from hell. But let me tell you this, that created an atmosphere where lots of other stuff went down and just went wrong in people's lives. And it might've been with your family or your finances or your health. And it it might've had nothing to directly connect to COVID-19 or political unrest, but somehow you just feel like they're connected. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it was an atmosphere that allowed it. And let me tell you, that was a satanic plan. That's all a part of the plan of the enemy to keep us into a place where we're not free. And so what he wants us to do is let that thing, uh, grab us and hold us. In other words, that's not the end of his plan. That's the beginning of his plan. And what God says is, I want to cut that off today. And I want to show you how to get there through forgiveness. So let me talk to you. If you got your notes, let me jump right into those notes. Here's the reason why we don't forgive. Three reasons why is number one, we don't understand what forgiveness is. We have a wrong definition of it. And I I really, every time I teach on this, I'm like, please hang in here with me. Please don't turn me off because the minute I start teaching about, uh, about forgiving people, you're like, well, yeah, that's great because he's a little preacher and everybody loves everybody where he lives and he doesn't understand what I've been through. Please hang on. Okay. I I know your situation is different than mine or anybody else's, but hang in here. Okay. Because we really don't understand forgiveness. Here's my definition of under, uh, of, of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from an obligation that resulted when they wronged you. Someone wronged you. They owe you. They ought to make it right. Forgiveness is when you say, I'm going to let that go 
and move on with my life. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to wait on them to get it right. I'm just going to move on with my life. Now, here's what forgiveness is not in your notes. It's not minimizing the offense. When I say you ought to learn to forgive, I'm not saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. Just let it go. That's not what that is. In fact, God is never okay with things that harm you or hurt you. It is a big deal to God, and it's a big deal to you, okay? Forgiveness is not saying it's not a big deal. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Some people will flippantly tell you, hey, you just need to learn to forgive and forget. It doesn't work that way. You hear me? That does not work. Forgive and forget does not work. You may never forget what happened to you. You may never forget who did it, but you don't have to forget it to release it and move on with your life into other, hey, do you know this church? God's got other things for your your life, for your future. He's got bigger things for your future. And this weight, this shackle around your ankle is going to keep you out of his destiny for you. So you don't have to forget it to move on into his destiny. And thirdly, forgiveness is not reconciliation. This is the one that confuses us. This becomes the big hangup. The idea that forgiveness is reconciliation. You know, when they apologize, when they want to make it right, then I'll forgive them. Everything will be hunky-dory again. Well, what if they did something that can never be hunky-dory? Then we think, well, that can't be forgiven. It's because we don't understand what forgiveness is. See, here's the thing. If they harmed you, they did something wrong to you, how irrational is it for you to say, hey, I know that unforgiveness is painful. I know that it holds me back. It is a trap of Satan, and I'm going to stay in that trap until they make it right. Why would you wait until the person who clearly is doing wrong things is now in charge of whether or not you find freedom? That doesn't make sense at all, does it? I'm not waiting on them. I have decided, man, in Christ, I'm, a, I'm, I'm my own being and I belong to Christ and I can be free because he has chosen to set me free. I'm not waiting on that goober who messed up my life to come straighten my life back out. I've got Jesus Christ on my side. I'm going to be free with or without this other person. I, I don't have to be reconciled to walk in freedom. God may never want you to be reconciled with that person. Right? That may not even be God's plan for your life. Maybe you got into a relationship with a person you never should have been in relationship with. Maybe it was the wrong person. Maybe you didn't have the right guidelines. Maybe you were dating someone or, or you even married the wrong person. Something that was never the will of God for your life. And it became a mess. It became a storm that actually the Bible probably told you was going to be a storm, but you weren't paying attention. And it became a big mess. You may never be supposed to reconcile that situation. Okay, You don't have to reconcile to walk in freedom. You can move on with your life. You can stop hating. You can stop being bitter. You can stop even thinking about it uh, through forgiveness. Now, here's a great verse about all this. Watch this, Romans 12 and 18. This is one of my favorite verses. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Seems like God gives us a lot of room to not be okay with certain people. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And you're like, God, but he's the Tasmanian devil. And God's like, well, if it's possible, <laughs> be at peace with him. In other words, there are certain people in your life that maybe, maybe it's not God's long-term plan for you to be in relationship with. And, and you, know, you, you can move on with your life. You make sure as long as it depends on you, you're doing the right thing. And you let God take care of the rest. 
What about if you want to be reconciled? Maybe it's a family member, someone you love, someone you cl- you're close with. You want reconciliation. What if you're the one who did the wrong and you want to see reconciliation happen? Here's three things in your notes that need to happen before reconciliation can be a, a, a thing. Number one, repentance needs to happen. And that is turning from the old actions. I'm sorry I slapped you in your face. I'm going to do it again tomorrow, but I'm really sorry. That's not repentance. You can't be reconciled with a person that's like that. Okay. That's where it all begins. The bad behavior has to stop. Listen, if you're the person who wronged someone else, you're wondering, Hey, you heard the preacher. He said, move on with your life. Why can't you love me back? Hey, you got to stop slapping me in the face. Okay. There has to be true repentance and repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. It's not crying about it and hoping it gets better. Repentance means to turn. Everybody say turn. Simply put did they turn? Second thing is restitution. That means making it right, if at all possible. You know, you stole $20 from me. We want to be buddies again. That's great. I want to be buddies, but let's start by giving me my $20 back. Okay? That, that's what restitution is all about. If you can make it right. Maybe you're a drug addict and you blew it on drug and, and you don't have it. Okay, you couldn't make it right. But if you can make it right, restitution is an important part of reconciling. So we start with repentance, restitution. There's a big one is rebuilding trust. Realizing that I've got to build my way back into that relationship. I've got to prove myself with consistent words and actions. I can't be lying. Listen, you can't be reconciled with a liar. It won't work. And if you are the person that you keep trying to do the right thing, but you keep lying, you got to find a way to break through that. You can't, you can't reconcile if you continue to lie. So th- this is why we don't reconcile. This is why we don't, we don't uh, forgive others is we don't understand forgiveness. Here's the second reason why. We don't think forgiveness is fair. Can't forgive because that's not fair. Let me speak to that for a minute. Forgiveness is not fair. You were right. It's not fair. And I, for one, am very thankful forgiveness is not fair. Because I need lots of unfair forgiveness. First of all, from the Lord. I needed him to forgive me without me making it right, without me reconciling my behavior. I needed him to just look down and say, Jerry, I'm going to help you through. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to walk you through this. And so it's not going to always be fair. And, And if we're thinking to ourselves, you know, I don't want to let them off the hook. You know, they don't deserve it. Ask yourself, did you want God to wait till you deserved it before he forgave you? And so that standard of forgiveness you're giving to somebody else is going to be hard for you to live up to for your own self. Okay. Forgiveness again is not embracing. It's not accepting. It's not reconciling. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to be something different from that. Jesus talked about forgiveness in Matthew 18. Peter thought he was pretty holy. He thought he was really good at forgiving. So he comes up to Jesus, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? He means in one day who sins against me seven times. I'm the apostle Peter. I walked on water. I can forgive seven times. And Jesus said, no. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times a day, I want you to forgive that person. If you do the math on that, that's one time every three minutes, which I didn't think was possible until I had a son. Uh, I know where the 490 came from. Now, the 490 literally is God saying, you can't put a number on this thing. 
you can't, it's not meant to be a hard, fast rule. It's meant to get you to go, how is that possible? And eventually your brain comes down to forgiveness is going to have to be a God thing. It can't be a Jerry thing. It can't be a Mike thing. It can't be a, 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 an April thing. It's, it's got to be a God thing. I, I'll never get there on my own. I'm going to have to trust in him. The source of forgiveness cannot be my goodness or my good graces. The source of forgiveness has got to be God. And he wants you to be forgiven and to walk in forgiveness because he wants you to be free, okay? Watch this verse right here. This is a really good picture of how God wants a believer to to live. This is what your aura around you ought to feel like. Ephesians 4 and 31. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. He says, I don't want any of that in your life. Now, immediately you're thinking to me, harsh words. You don't know what that joker did to me. I've got the right to say what I want to say about him. It's just a fact, Pastor Jerry. You tell me not to call him a blankety blank. What if he is a blankety blank? God just says that may be entirely true, but I want you to live free of all that stuff because that's toxic, y'all. Angry, bitter frustrating, mad words and behavior is toxic. We act as if when they fly out of our mouth, they only hit the person who deserves it. But the truth of the matter is usually the person you feel like deserves it is not even in the room. You know who's in the room? Someone you love who doesn't deserve it. And the words hit them. And and worse than that, the words don't just go out in this direction. They go out like this. And so they hit you and they remain in you. And you start telling that story. Your whole face tells us how mad you are. Your eyebrows going like this. And you tell that story and you've heard it 14 times this week. We don't need to hear that story anymore. We don't need any more of those angry words. We don't need any more of that bitterness and rage. And neither do you. I'm talking about a condition. That's why Satan called it the, or God called it the bait of Satan. That that offense becomes a bait that you hold on to. And when you grab it, Satan gets a hold of you. I saw one time an illustration of, of a monkey that uh, there was something the monkey wanted. And, and they, they put it in this cage of a thing like a bottle that he just had barely enough room to, to put his hand like this and, and put his hand through it. And when he grabbed it and made a fist, his hand wouldn't, wouldn't come out. And even the captors of this wild monkey could walk right up to him and tranquilize him. He, all he had to do was let it go to slide out and be free, but he couldn't let it go. That's how some of us are about the thing that happened to us. We hold on to it so tightly. And God is saying freedom is right here. He says, I want you to get rid of the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, the slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, everybody say instead. Be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted, forgive one another, just as God, here we go again with God. That's what messes me up. Here's my standard as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's got to be the standard. The standard cannot be, well, this is what they did. They're not the standard. Well, I'm going to keep saying harsh words about them because they did. They are not the standard. I'm not trying to live my life down to their level. I'm trying to live my life up to Christ's level. That's my destiny. That's my DNA. That's, that's my aim and goal in life. Let me explain it like this. I brought a little friend. Thank you, Ashley. My friend's name is Percy. Everybody say Percy. Percy, can you tell what he is? 
Yeah, he's a porcupine. I was thinking the best way to explain an offense is like a porcupine. Holding an offense close to you is like holding a porcupine close to you. Unfortunately, this is Amazon's uh, view of a porcupine, and it's not very harmful. In fact, when I, after I ordered it and it got here, I realized Percy is a puppet. It's not just Percy the porcupine, it's Percy the puppet porcupine. Everybody say, hey, Percy. Hey, Percy. Look, look how bashful he is. Some of us treat our offense like, like it's a stuffed animal. And I'm telling you, move on. Put that thing down. It's not good for you. And you're like, but you don't know what they did to me. Let me tell you the story one more time. I've heard it 17 times. I can tell it back to you, but just please. Yeah, let me hear it one more time. Why don't you move on with your life? Why don't you get into a new relationship? No, she's going to be just like that last girl that did me the wrong way. You got that last girl right here. She was mean as the devil, and you're holding her just like this. (laughs) And, And you're just holding it so tight, you keep telling the story, you keep stroking the story over and over again. All the while, you don't realize that a real porcupine is nothing like Percy. Real porcupines hurt when you pull them close, I would imagine. (laughs) They got sharp, long quills, and they can shoot them out at you like a a bow and arrow, and they can stick in you and cause infection and cause you to bleed, and they can hurt you for years and years and years to come, and you think your offense is just rehearsing what happened to you over and over again. You think it's comforting to say it. You don't know the damage you are doing to yourself, and that's why Jesus said, I don't care if you have to do it 490 times today, and tomorrow you have to do it 490 more times, and every three minutes you have to forgive somebody because I don't want you walking around with a porcupine stabbing you in your stomach, get free. Get free. Come on, everybody say, free Percy. You want Percy out of your life. Thank you. Some really good motivation over there. You want Percy out of your life. You want, you want the porcupine out of your life. And when I say, you know, forgive it and release it, and you say, no way, you're only hurting yourself. That person that you're angry at, that you're mad at, that event that you're thinking, that person's not there. The only person left is you and the porcupine. So let the porcupine go. God wants you free. We have a hard time forgiving because we don't understand forgiveness. We don't know what it is. We think forgiveness is loving that person again or embracing what they did or minimize. It's not forgiveness. It's not what that means. We have a hard time forgiving because we think unforgiveness is unfair We don't understand how that can work. Here's the last thing I'll say. We don't forgive because we don't think we can forgive. Right? Somebody right now, this is so real in your life, right now. Somebody listening to me right now, this is so real in your life. You're like, everything you said makes sense, Pastor Jerry. I got it right here. I just can't get it down here. I I get you. I, I feel you. I understand it. It hides in you so much. I'm going to tell you, you're you're looking at a person who was not always free from bitterness, but is today gloriously free from bitterness, and I would not go back. I mean, knowing how to pray for those that have wronged me, I've, I've done that. Oh, my goodness. That sounds so awful. And I don't mean like, dear God, please let an anvil fall on his head. That, not that prayer. 
I prayed that prayer too, but not that prayer. Like genuinely in pity for the person, praying that they would be better, is so liberating to me, to you, to pray for the other person. You say, I can't do it. The hurt is just too big. All God says is the porcupine is too big. Quit holding on to it. You say, I can't do it. After what they did, I have a right to hold a grudge. They're not your standard. God's your standard. And you may have a right to hold a grudge, but you also have a right to freedom. You have a right to to move on with your life. You have a destiny before you that is so much higher than that thing that happened. See, you're growing. You're growing in Christ. You're becoming bigger than what happened to you. Don't let it hold you back. I mean, it's like, a, it's like an anvil or, or like a weight shackled to your ankle. God wants you to run and not be weary. To soar, the Bible says, when we walk in faith, we soar like eagles. You ever seen an eagle soaring with a, an ankle bracelet and a ball and chain? You, you're not going to soar like that. It's not about them. Some people say, okay, I'll get there. But it's just going to have to happen. Because you know, time heals all wounds. That's a lie. You know, our culture believes a lot of lies. That's one of them right there. Time doesn't heal anything. Time heals nothing. Do you think time heals all wounds? Go take your pocket knife out, gentlemen. Go to your car, poke a hole in your tire. Don't take it to be worked on. Don't patch it. Don't put any air in it. Just sit there and wait on the time to heal it. You're going to spend the night here if you do. Time doesn't heal anything. The right conditions over time will bring healing into your life. But when you're not in the right condition, it doesn't matter how much time expires. I've seen people with the wrong bitterness, the wrong approach to moving on with their life, and they're stuck in that same place for a generation, for their whole life. That's not for you. you. You're going somewhere. Church, hear me? You're going somewhere. God's got a plan for you, man. Where you're at right now, God's got a whole other place for you to be this time next year. You can't hang around rehearsing what they did to you. Here's the biggest lie. I can't forgive it because I can't forget it. That's a big lie. I would say it the other way around. You can't forget it because you won't forgive it. You'll never be able to forget it. And in fact, that's the pattern of God. You probably all know that God, when he, uh, the Bible says that God has forgotten your sins. You know that, right? He doesn't remember your sins. That's so beautiful. But have you ever thought about how God gets there? How does God get to the place where he doesn't, uh, he, he gave his son so you could be forgiven and we still sin. Like, how does he forgive and forget that? Watch this. Jeremiah 31 and 34. God says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He forgives it first, then he forgets it. That's a great pattern right there. Maybe you'll never forget it. Some offenses are so egregious, you will never forget them. But forgiveness has always got to be the first step. And if you don't think you can get there, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You say, well, pastor, I'm just weak in that area. That's great. Because that's the place where God's power is perfected. 
God wants you to be free. Last little nugget I want to tell you about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Our whole world is designed, all those stupid Hollywood love movies are designed around feelings. You know, like you know, love is just this feeling. Love is an action. And forgiveness is an action. It's not a feeling. It's an action. And people who let their lives be driven by their feelings live the most chaotic lives and unproductive lives. That's the way most people live. I feel angry, so I'm going to show you my anger. Right? I feel that temptation, so I'm going to give in to that temptation and I'm going to sin. I feel like a loser, so I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up. That's how a person who lets their feelings drive their behavior lives. Feelings leading your life. Don't ever do that. If I let my feelings lead my life, I would run some of you off the road. Because you're just in the left-hand lane. You have nowhere to be. You're just chilling out down the left-hand lane. And I feel like running you off the road. That's, that's, the, that's the formula for chaos. Letting feelings drive your life. You know what needs to drive your life? Behavior. Right actions will change your feelings. Oh, if you don't get anything, take that home today. Right actions will produce right feelings. You don't, you don't feel like you're in love anymore? Start acting like you're in love to your spouse. You will start feeling like you're in love later. It's true. You don't, you don't feel like a Christian today. You don't feel like God's been good to you. Step into the building anyways. Act right. Show up. Lift up your hands. Sing to God about how wonderfully he's been. And you will start feeling what you need to feel. Don't let your feelings drive your actions. See, you can't control your feelings, but you can control your actions and your actions can direct your feelings. That's good stuff. Can I hear an amen to that? So maybe this is where you are, Romans 5 and 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Maybe you feel helpless in this area. I'm asking Christ to come right now. Right now is the right time. 